Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. This is what I'm looking for. This podcast I'm looking forward to. The first ever appearance on the Bradford Show. Michael, what's your middle name? Scott. Michael S. Holly. Michael Scott. I thought you were going to say Scott. Michael Scott. Are Michael you a fan Scott. of The Office? No. Okay, so why didn't you make that connection immediately? Uh, because I, I look at you as an individual. I look at you okay. as your own entity. One that wrote a book called Poppy, My Story, which is hitting bookshelves on May 16th. May 16th. But you can order, obviously, on Amazon. Are you? Do you like the Amazon ranking dynamic? Because I know when I wrote my first book, we talk about we talk about ratings and rankings yeah. and and. Twitter and everything else. That was the first one for me where you are checking that every single minute. Well, see, that's the, it depends on what it says. Do I like it? Depends on what it says. Well, and then you got to, you feel like you have to explain to people. They're like, oh, you're number 678 on Amazon. Like, hey, that's actually pretty good. But you did do an appearance, you do an interview, and then you see the big bump. That's it. Yeah, but you can't get caught up in that. Bradford, you can't. You I just got to you, you just got to play your game. You just just, just got to play your game. Right. You got to avoid yourself, the noise. You'll drive yourself crazy paying attention anyway, to that stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this. Uh, David Ortiz, Poppy, my story. Let's go back. Let's go back to yeah. when the idea started. And I've said this to people because it has come up. People have asked me about it. Said, well, you didn't. Not I obviously knew David Ortiz. You're mm-hmm. not going to do the David Ortiz book. You were nice enough to call me. I remember you were nice enough to call me. Mm-hmm. I think it was after the 2013 season. It, right? You got a good memory, man. And yeah. um, and you said, are you planning on doing a book with Ortiz? I said, no. And, I, and I'll tell you the first thing that came to my mind. Why would you do another book with David Ortiz? He already wrote a book. Yeah. Right? That was the first thing I thought of. And I was like, no, go ahead. And I was shocked, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Because I, I think of... Uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here and because you, you invited me on the podcast for the first time. It took a long time for you to invite me, That's but you know, I'm many. not going to, you know, I'm not going to trip on that. Uh, when I think of Red Sox insiders, I think of you. So I thought 
either Rob or Alex, certainly, and at the time Alex Spear was here, said, well, yeah, one of those guys would do it, but I'll just check to see It was nice if of you to not. do that, I, and I mean that. So I'm, I'm surprised you didn't, but okay. Yeah, because I'm an idiot. I mean, no, as, a, as my kids are getting ready to go to college, I am an idiot. No, that's all right. But, okay, he has, uh, he has a book out there. He did it with Tony Maserati. And at the time, I think it stopped in 2006. So they still hadn't covered the 2007 uh, World Series championship. Uh, 2009, his career took a turn. A lot of questions about mm-hmm. David Ortiz. He struggled at the beginning of that year. Then he was on that list. And so there was a lot of anger about being on that list. The next year... You know, 2010, uh, he's pulled from a game in Toronto, and uh, his relationship with Terry Francona changes, which he talks about in this book. And it never came back. And 2011, you know, you got chicken and beer. 2012, the excerpt that was in Sports Illustrated recently, Great. Bobby Valentine. It did uh, what? It, listen, when you're talking about excerpts, this was the well. This was well executed by you guys. It was because, and this came out the other day. Excerpt in, like you said, Sports Illustrated. It did exactly what you want leading into the release of a book, right? Are you pretty right. happy with what happened? Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Um, and then so at the time, I'm just telling you things that happened in his career yeah. already. Now we're up to 2012, 2013 World Series. Uh, so and, he, and, all, and that was when I called you in 13. So it took a long time to get to this point. Once I contacted Ortiz and his people, and I know you know who his people are, um, I wasn't thinking about retirement I wasn't thinking about anything. It was, I my idea was to to get it out in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so 14 happened, last place. Uh, 15 happened, last place. And then uh, he told me this was the toughest thing to do. You know, every fiber of journalist in me, and there's a little left. Every fiber of journalist in me had a hard time knowing that he was going to retire, but I couldn't go with it. Mm. I was like, come on, man, just give me, give me this, give me this one. No, 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 that's not. We're not going to announce it that way. We're going to announce it another way. How? How? So he did that in November. November it was on his birthday. And when did you? When did you find out that he was retiring? Well, I got hints, like very, very strong, very suggestive hints. Like uh, I'm, re- I'm going to retire. Yeah, pretty much. Like in 2000, I think at the, I remember at the end of the either 14 or 15 season, talking to him at Fenway. And I said, how you doing? Tired. Hmm. How you feeling? Old. But they always feel like that way. But he said, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, my, my last season is going to be 2016. I said, no way. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean, come on. What a, so, and, and we're just throwing it out there. I said, no, what if you hit 30 home runs? Drive in, you know, you drive in 110, 115. What if you're the best in baseball? Let's, say, let's play this you're out. You're going to walk away? Said, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. And you know, you did the great story uh, with with Dan Dyrick and his and his feet oh, yeah. and his heels yeah, and Achilles. Stumps, yes. He just couldn't, even if he had wanted to, even if he said in December, "Okay, I'm 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 so bored, I got I, I got to go back out there." He couldn't have. Yeah. He couldn't get through a whole season. So so you found out they were, he was retiring, and you said in August, in August, correct? I pro- it was probably earlier. It was probably like. June, okay. where he just kept bringing it up, kept, kept bringing, bringing it okay. up. I'd say June of 2015, mm-hmm. and then, but for sure, uh, a couple of weeks before the announcement. Okay, so let's go back to sort of how the book came about. Yeah. We'll get into the the meat and potatoes of the book, and and as people who have read the excerpt 
uh, know that you, you can just read that excerpt, and it's like once again well executed. Thank you. It is. It is. Having done it a couple times, I understand you want to get the you you want to hit the nail in the head when it comes to the excerpt. You mm-hmm. want to get the thing that's going to get people talking, and I know there's other things that are going to get people talking in this mm-hmm. book, a ton of other things, but that one got people talking. I, the last 24 hours, as we're sitting here doing this podcast, this is the story. This is one of the biggest stories of this town right now. So I want to come back to uh, you. You were nice enough to call me 2013, mm-hmm. 2014, as you said, 2015. So did the book change at all? Did how? Yeah. Did, yeah so how did Man. that happen? As you, I know you know. How many books have you written? Just two. Two? Not, not and, just and, two. It, two. Well, I mean, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Writing one is hard. I mean, it's hard. You know yeah. that. And I don't want to you know, sit here and all pat myself on the back. But I'm just saying to you, don't ever say just two books. No, no. But I think that in you, when you called me in 2013, one of the things was, the first thing, like I said, that came to mind was he already did a book. Mm-hmm. Well, he was, is he going to do another book? The other thing was, is that much like the players, I'm like exhausted. Like, last thing in the world I want to <laughs> do is another book. Right. I did the low book after that championship season in 2007, but I was much more energetic, and I also had a different job. By the way, the book's called Drive. Deep, deep, so deep Drive. Deep but Drive. That, that's okay. Check it out. But I also had a different job. To me, this job is a little more all-encompassing mm-hmm. of what I have to do here. And it'll be, it's very difficult, and you know how much time it takes to do a book. It'll be very difficult to do. So all of those things went through my head. But I will say this once again. I was very appreciative from that point all the way up until you know, the other day when someone asked me that, that you actually called to ask. So, all right, Michael Holly's asking me if it's all right if, if he does the book. Hey, great. Great. Absolutely. And then I didn't hear anything about it for a little bit. <laughs> That's right. And then I didn't hear anything about it. You yeah. would come down to spring training for like a week or, or here and there. And I didn't, I don't think I ever, I may have asked you a couple times, but. And I probably gave you the. Eh. Yeah. So, yeah, what, so what happened? All right. So what happened was, uh, and it took a couple of different forms. I'm going to leave the names out, specific names <laughs> out. But um, 2013, uh, obviously the Red Sox won the World Series in October. And one of the publishers that I was working with said, we want you to do a David Ortiz book. I was supposed to do a Celtics book. Yep. That fell apart, broke my heart, but not really. <laughs> you know, I mean, it broke my heart. and it, it, you, you never want a project to fall apart. On the other hand, I've told people this before, I'm so intimidated by uh, the legacy of David Halberstam and the best uh, basketball book ever written, Breaks of the Game. 48 Minutes? No, Breaks of the no, Game. No, 48 Minutes. Oh, no, 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 Bob no, no. Bob Ryan, 48 Did Minutes. Did you read Breaks of the Game? Yeah. It's the best, the best basketball book ever written. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yes. I would say this. Two different kind of books that you're talking Completely about. Completely different. The Celtics book, you're, you're interviewing people, you're following everybody around. Yeah. This is, this is a different kind of book. So I don't know if that factored into it at all. Or well, and, and by the way, you know, Bob Ryan and Terry Pluto. Yes. Who was, who was one of my mentors when I first started. Not nice of you shit all over 40. Uh, no, no, no. It's a good book, but okay. it's not breaks of the game. So I was so intimidated. And said, I'm going to do a basketball book. It's got to be right. Everything's got to be perfect. And if any aspect of it falls apart, I can't do it. So I was heartbroken in that sense. So the publisher who was going to be working with the Celtics book said, no, no problem. Uh, nothing to fear. Do a book on David Ortiz. Now, that conversation, we had that conversation in December of 13 with the publisher. And they wanted it out. Fairly quickly. I reluctantly... Because they had won the World Series. Yeah, I reluctantly agreed to it. And then I really started to have doubts. So you just can't do David Ortiz, 
Tom Brady, you know, some of the icons of Boston, you just can't rush it. Well, and I wasn't, and that, at that point, it was going to be me on David Ortiz. Right, I was going to ask you. Did not you, even working with David did you, Ortiz. Did you, what was the first time you actually talked to David Ortiz about possibly doing a book on him? December of 2013. And what did or, he oh, say? No, no, actually, it, yep. was, it was spring training. It was spring training. So it was either January, and it went down January or February of, of 2014. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, hey, I need a, a, you know, several interviews. Now, at this point, I'm on deadline. I'm on deadline. So I just can't. This is not right. So I said, I'm not going to do it. Publisher was upset. Uh, and so the book was kind of there. It was in limbo for a while. And then over the course of the next year, talking with uh, Ortiz's team, and he said, well, you know, he's going to retire. I'm not just saying this because you approached us with a book. We're not trying to. This was in 2015. Yeah, now, now we're yeah, like late 14, early 15. Hey, we're not trying to mess you up here but uh, or, or trying to sabotage your project. But he was thinking about doing a book anyway because he's going to retire mm. very soon. So would you like to do a book with mm-hmm. David Ortiz? So that could be interesting. It depends. Now, there are certain topics I think that we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's your book, it's his book, but I just never believe in the Disney approach to these books. Sure. And I remember having the same conversation with Teddy Bruschi, who was great, who was great when it came down to that tough conversation. All right, Teddy, you're coming back from a stroke. Now, the Disney story is Teddy Bruschi was in the hospital. He jumps up out of his hospital bed. His wife, his family, everybody's supportive. He goes back onto the football field, and it's all it's happily ever after. That's not the reality. The reality is his wife didn't want him to come back, and she said, are you crazy? We almost lost you, and they didn't talk for a month. Mm. I said, that's got to be in the book. Yeah. That's the real stuff. That's what makes you, um, that's what makes you relatable. Mm-hmm. Nobody can relate to everything doesn't go well in your life. You got to. Tell that real stuff. And that came out, to jump forward, that came out in the excerpt you just said. You had the divorce story with yeah. Ortiz. So I want to get to that yeah, down the and, road. Yeah, that's got to be, all that stuff's got to be in there. So, so we had that so conversation. You to Ortiz. And yep. I said, got, we got to talk about PEDs. Yep. Uh, we got to talk about, you know, managers you like, managers you don't like. We got to talk about all the things. Storming into Tito's press conference. All the things that when people bring up David Ortiz and, you know, obviously the clutch hits and, mm-hmm. you know, beating the Yankees and, uh, you know, hitting 688 in the World Series. All that stuff's got to be in there. Nobody just has a perfect story. There's some warts in there, and I said we got to put the warts in, and he agreed to it. And that so that was in 2015. Yeah, early 2015. Yeah, and then we got going. Okay, so early 2015, you got going. Now, when you go back to that book that Tony Maz did with yeah. him, my sense was there was two problems with that book. Was and I and I'm with you. Like I, I don't like criticizing any books because I know how hard it is. Yeah, to do it's books. hard. It's a hard it, process. It's, I mean, it's not writing is almost the easiest part. Yeah, just right? the publishing industry putting it together. Brutal. Yeah, just so dealing with the in that, tape. in that case, I know that he had some issues with you know that book sort of being torn apart by Ortiz's people. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? No, no, you're absolutely right. Okay. I've talked to Tony about this. Yeah, and that and so when you knowing that when you go into this and even though Ortiz is saying sure, absolutely, sure, absolutely. Were you a little bit wary yeah, about that having already happened? Yeah, I was very nervous about it. But, and this is this is terrible to say, but the book is out, so I can say this mm-hmm. now, and, uh, and future editors will be like, I'm not working with this dude. 
this is what it comes down to. When you're the writer of the book, you got the power. Mm-hmm. So, are we going to get crazy like this and you're going to tear the book apart and you're going to say, we're going to take that out, take that out? Well, I'm not going to do it. I won't give you a manuscript mm-hmm. or work with somebody else. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you really feel passionately about it. Now, at some point, you know, depending on how much money is involved, at some point, some people say, well, <laughs> yeah, I may feel passionate about it, but... Uh, uh, my wife is saying, you just mentioned like college. My wife is saying, hey, the kids got to go to college. Oh, so yeah. yeah, this is kinda, reality of our lives, Yeah, right? you kind of hold your nose and deal with it. But uh, I, I felt with David Ortiz and and the focus was, because Tony, Tony, no matter what the restrictions were, Tony did a good job with that book. But that stops in 2006. So my, my focus was, all right, Tony covered a lot of stuff in the Dominican uh, with, with Ortiz was growing up. Uh, he covered a lot of stuff, how he got to the Red Sox. I'm really, uh, I'm going to cover some of that same stuff from a different angle, but really all, leave it off from, uh, pick it up in like 07. Well, you use- 07 and then to the present. Well, let's use the uh, Michael Silverman's great book on Pedro. Mm-hmm. It's a great analogy because... I didn't really care about the stuff him growing up. I wanted the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And this is what this store, this book, Poppy, my story. You, you now, I wish you told me this in 2013 when you called me. Said so this is no, 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 really. You should do the book, and this is how you should do it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you the next I, time. I, yeah, I got another book for you. Yeah, I got it. That's what I'm doing. I'm going around now. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling people. You know, books they should write. So, like, people always say to me, uh, well, why don't you write a Bruins book? Like, I said, no. Like you said. Oh, I got, oh, I got Bruins uh, people. I'm not the one to do the Bruins you know, book. I'll tell you what. But I got people. I'll find the time. And I got ideas. The college bills are coming in. I'll find the time to do something. But anyway, so you have the, the Tony Maz book. And like you said, that covered a different time. But you should do a Theo. Theo? Theo. That's oh, your yeah. book. That's oh, it. That's a winner. Oh, I, I, I know who's doing that book. Somebody's doing that already? No. Okay. I know who is going to be doing that you. book. No, no, no. Who? No, I think you, oh, I, think you I think you overestimate uh the relationship of Theo and myself. Verducci. Maybe. You know uh, who's the guy? Come on, I think podcast. Alex could do that. Don't hold no, back. No, no, I'm not. I would never hold back. But you are I think, no I'm not. You I, said I, I know who's gonna do that no, book. I was but you're just gonna say, me. you're not letting me say uh, it. I think I think that Alex Alex Spear has the inside track. He could have the inside track if he and he would do an awesome job. He could do that book. He did do the crap out of that. That's book. a great book. Yeah. Oh man, that's a great book. Well, and when Theo did his farewell letter, mm-hmm. you know, you know who edited that? Alex. I mean, Theo knows Alex is really good, so he that is a book, and it will be written down the road sometime, someplace by he's, he's, Alex Spear and yeah, Rob Bradford. No. No. Kind of like Game of Shadows when it was uh, no. Mark Fainaruwada and... I have an idea for a book. I have an idea for a book, and I've had it for like 10 years, and it's just never... I'll tell you off. I don't want to say don't wanna, now. Nah. You don't want anybody it's to take... It's too good of an idea. You don't want to take it's your idea. Good, ideas I, are hard I'll to come tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you once we get off this okay. awesome podcast. So to come back to yeah, it... Yeah, let's come back so to it. You, you... Okay, Ortiz says 2015, I'll do the book. One of the challenges I also felt, and you've done these type of books before, would be attention span, uh, uh, right? <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. I, I, and I and I heard this from Tony too before. Yeah, getting him to lock in. Yes, and and this is with when I did Lowell, it was like it was easy. It was we did eighty percent of it in 
two four-hour sittings in a That's guidance counselor. Unbelievable. Yeah, because you know him, right? Yeah. He, he's terrific, and he's uh, Mike Lowell. Memory, and really, memory, yeah. um, and then art, being able to articulate it, all of that. So how was – did you go into it with that concern, and was that a concern throughout? It, it was something I'd heard. Um, I'd heard that um, there are times, especially if, if the phone rings, forget it. <laughs> forget it. If the phone rings, you're done. Or if he's checking his phone as you're asking him a question, forget about it. So I went back to a story I once heard, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give Mike Hargrove an assist here. I was a young reporter. I probably was like a second or probably first or second year in the business. And remember, the Cleveland Indians had that tragic uh, spring training uh, boating accident. Yep. Tim like Cruz. Tim yep. Cruz. Uh, Bobby Ojeda. Uh, uh, Olin. Yeah. Ojeda. He, he, yep. su- he survived, yep. but he was, so, he, he was so racked with guilt, it really messed him up. And so uh, Gary Smith. The great Gary Smith in Sports Illustrated did a story on that, and I remember Mike Hargrove saying, I wound up telling that guy things that I never imagined I would share with anybody, and he only talked to me for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I said, man, well, those are two big comments. One, the fact that Gary Smith could open them up. Two, that he didn't have that much time and that he still was able to draw stuff out of him. So my, my focus was to go in, I don't need – I needed a lot of small sessions, but I didn't want a big session with him because I didn't think that would be effective. So the, the, the math I did with it was, hey, David, you played 20 years in the major leagues, and I'd say each season is worth an hour. Mm-hmm. So let's agree to 20 hours. And he said, okay. That sounds crazy, 20 hours, but if I just say I'm coming to talk to you for an hour yeah. about a specific thing, it's not going to be uh, – uh, rambling, hey, we're going to jump here from 03 to 09. To, no, we're going to, now let's just talk about when you knew you were going to be a major leaguer. Let's just talk about 1997 or 1998. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend that, this session on that. He was great. And I would say in the beginning, I'd say the first two or three hours, those first two or three sessions, I was doing interviews with David Ortiz. I'd say the rest of the sessions, I was having conversations. Mm. With David Ortiz. Which is, with him, is is the be-all, end-all. I mean, yeah. we do it when we interview it. You either get the engaged Ortiz or you get the conversational Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. Yeah, and so once he once we got there, uh, go to his house. I, I don't like doing interviews like these at the park because there are just too many distractions. Mm-hmm. And you're David Ortiz. You're David Ortiz at Fenway Park. Somebody's going to come in for something. One of your teammates is going to be looking for you. Uh, PR department is going to be looking for you. Hey, uh, you only agreed to 25 minutes. We're at minute 23. Hey, start wrapping it up here. Whatever it is. So went to his house, and I got to see the normal side of him. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the, one of my favorite moments from the interviews, and this was uh, late in the process. You know, we're having this conversation. We're about 40, 45 minutes in. Hear a voice off in the distance. Honey, it's his wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's up, babe? Um. There's an umbrella in the back. It's windy out there. Could you just go pick it up? I'm like, you know what? This is like being at home. You know, just running, just being errand boy, okay? Uh, hey, hey, the trash can is about to tumble down the street. Could you just go rescue it? Could you put the top back on it? Take the trash out. Kids need help with this. So it was just, it was just normal after a while. And I think that's where I got to see the, the true side of him. And he was very comfortable. And so when you, you talked earlier about some of the difficult things that you're going to have to ask 
I would imagine that when you get to that point that you're talking about, where it becomes conversational, where there's a trust built, that it's a whole lot easier to, like, for instance, the the 2003 list, yeah. 2009 report on that list. At what point did you ask? Because to me, that that's probably like that's the moment where we like. You talk about things that we got to talk about. Yeah, we got to talk about. We got to yeah. talk about this. Tell me about that conversation. So, uh, so the perfect thing is oh three. You can still talk about the games oh three oh four as we're as we're working up to it. So we're talking about the stuff from oh three that's good, and stuff from oh four that's good. So by the time we get to oh nine, like okay, uh, you're starting to struggle, and you're on this. Hey, tell me what that was like. That's what I just said. Tell me what that was like. You know, one day. You're getting ready for a game, and he he remembered every single detail. Like I was getting ready, and Michael Schmidt of the New York Times came up to him. He's a big time reporter now. Michael Schmidt <laughs> with the with the Times. Uh, at the time, he was just on the steroid beat, but now he has uh, expanded. But Michael Schmidt came up to him and told him the news, and he remembers what he said to Schmidt, and he was very confused. He was making some phone calls and found out it was true uh, that he was on the list. He was trying to find out what he was on for. And just so people understand, I know you understand this, and I remember Alex back in the day when I was doing middays, and I was going at Alex mm-hmm. saying, Alex, you got to know what he tested positive for. And Alex was like, no, mm-hmm. we don't. He well, edu- I, I remember. He, he educated me about it. It's like, no, Major League it's not like they're keeping a secret. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They know he's on the list, but they don't know what he what he tested positive for. They know it could have been. It could have been steroids. It could have been uh, an over-the-counter thing. It could have been any. It could have been a false positive. Don't know. But they know he's on that list. And so uh, he was confused about that, uh, adamant that he did not take steroids, that he was never tempted to take steroids. And so we, you know, we really got into it. And I said, well, wait a minute. You know, it, it requires some pushback here. Well, well, people would say, well, David, wouldn't this be hard to believe that a guy who comes from the Minnesota Twins – and is a part-time player, goes to the Boston Red Sox and becomes great, and then, you know, is on the list, doesn't that add up? And he said, well, wait a minute. Look at my last year in Minnesota. His last year in Minnesota, if you, if you look at it, last year in Minnesota, slugging percentage of 500. Mm-hmm. Those guys would never be released in today's game. Well, are you kidding me? Yeah, 20 home runs, 500 Chase, slugging Chase, percentage. Chase Darnot isn't getting released. Yeah, as a, as a part-time player, I think 400-plus at-bats. And so if you project that, Full time, you still got a you've got a guy who is a power who is a power hitter. So the power was always there. Other aspects of his game were not there until he got to Boston. And so um, we talked about a lot of things. And uh, well, what was what was the thing? Well, two questions. Number one, along those lines, one of the things that people keep keep saying, well, find out why can't he find out? Why can't he find out? I remember asking him. I remember actually being in Houston asking this question. I don't know when it was a couple of years ago. Have you tried to find out? He's like, yeah, I'm trying to find out. Well, did you ask him that, and what was the explanation? Yeah, the explanation is the Players Association doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball doesn't know. It's not, and, and just, I, I guess we all know this at this, at this point, but I, I'm just going to state the obvious. It was not a major, it was pre-testing Major League Baseball. So, it was the survey test. So at that point, you don't know. Now, now today, that, that doesn't fly. In today's game, you know exactly what you test positive for. You know exactly. Nobody can say, I don't know what it is. Sure, yeah, sure you do. 
Yeah. At well, that time, you didn't. It was also, yeah, it wasn't a test. It was, it was not like the test they're administering now. It was, we know the whole list. And yeah, and so I think that's why, there's, that's why there's some confusion about it, and that's why there's the, that mystery. But he's, uh, and it really comes down to whether you believe him or not, and I can understand why uh, with all the things we've heard in professional sports, you know, yeah, you, you, dropped your, you dropped no, your dishes no. there. Your, your dishes no, fell. That was the, that was a out of the ca- your dishes fell out of the cabinet. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We Listen, are? Yeah, of course we're good. All right. I, I, can, you know, I just got to walk right there. I know, but you, you know. And then we got, those, those guys will not be happy. You got my late. man Rich Keefe doing, uh, you know, doing the trending. That puts you a little uh-huh. against it some more time. Uh, listen, as someone who's driven up during the trending, I know. Oh, I, I you've know driven the up during the t- oh, trending. Oh, I've driven up during the when you hear your obituary on the air. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, I want to keep this moving. Yeah, let's keep it moving. What was the thing? What was the thing that you were most surprised about? Obviously, that what we just talked about is probably the thing people are going to flip through and and look for immediately. But what was the thing? What was the story that you were most surprised about? Uh, they say, like, "Oh my goodness, I didn't know that." Yeah, uh, I was surprised. Well, there are a couple of them. I was surprised by his candor when talking about his marriage. Um, a lot of guys don't do that, mm-hmm. which uh, is part of the excerpt, which was very smart too. Yeah. Uh, talking about that and then talking about the reconciliation. Um, well, it's, it's, that's a brave thing to do. I mean, it's, um, maybe we, we expect it as, as spoiled readers, as spoiled fans, but you just think about your real life and how many people would be willing to just say, Hey, this is what's going on with me and my wife. We, you, know, you're inst- you instinctively say, that's personal. That's none of your business. So uh, I thought uh, his comments about uh, his relationship were interesting. Uh, his comments about hitting. I, was, I, I should have known this. And maybe you knew it. I should have known that he was so, he's an intellectual of hitting. It's unbelievable how he approaches hitting. Mm-hmm. He's not going. Which, up by the way, Manny was the same way. Yeah. And no one through the cartoon character you never. And that's saw what it. David talks about that yeah. in there. It's like, hey, Manny wanted people. He just wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. So Manny was really into pitching and, and setting up pitchers, but he didn't want anybody to know that. Don't don't interview me. Don't talk about my approach. Just leave me alone. Just call me a dummy. That's fine. I'll just get to the park and hit. That's all I want to do. But David, with the help of Pedro really learned to, uh, to, to think like a pitcher. And Pedro would help him. He'd say Pedro would help him hit home runs. Say, all right, you know, you know why he approached you like that in the first inning? Because he's holding on to this. He hasn't even, even thrown you his best pitch yet. You know that, right? He's trying to get you to get yourself out. So the next at bat, look for the curveball or look for this, and I guarantee you, you'll have success. And he would do it. He'd hit a home run. He said he'd be rounding the bases thinking about Pedro. Like, wow, how did Pedro know that? <laughs> so his insights on hitting – uh, were terrific. His insights on the Red Sox uh, with Tito, how the relationship changed. I thought that was never uh, got over it, huh? Yeah, that was very ne- never got over it. Wow. I want to real quick about the 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 almost divorce, the mm-hmm. relationship. Quick story, as he says, autograph away. He was an autograph away from doing it. the The attorneys that come in, he called, and he he talks. You will hear David Ortiz's voice in well, here. Well, that's that's and like you said at the beginning of this interview, that's important. Yeah. That's important because a lot of the stuff, and we can go down the checklist of things we know and things we thought we knew, but that's the type of stuff that humanizes him. And real quick, yeah, this is and, and like this is his voice. This is not oh, let me just uh, 
uh, I'll get the information and I'll put my own spin on it. No, you got to get the guy. It's got to be authentic. And so, by the way, on honest, if you're going to have a voice of a guy in a book, he's a good one to have. Yeah. Because honest and passionate, very important. But and profane. And profane. And so which I is, think. You know, I, which there should be more profanity in interviews. You know, maybe I'll just start cussing more after this. No, no, no. no. I mean, <laughs> after. No, after, but I mean, I'm just talking about. I yeah. actually, I actually just honest, this honest truth. I texted Josh Beckett yesterday. I said I want to do a podcast on why there aren't isn't more swearing in interviews. <laughs> isn't that a good podcast? Oh, that is a good podcast, and he would be the one. Oh, it, it, he, yeah. the Godfather. How about you put Beckett, uh, Beckett, and Ortiz together? By the way, that's another one. We talked about a fight he almost had with Beckett. Nice. Nice. I mean, it was. Yeah, you know, I'll let you read the book, but the you know, uh, the 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 divorce. I'm doing a show with Dale down in Fenway. I get a call from one of a number I don't recognize because we know he has eight phones, right? Yeah, tons of phones. And so it keeps ringing, keeps ringing, keeps ringing. I can't pick it up. Finally, a break. I pick it up. Are you here? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you come down to the clubhouse? I said, Dale, I got to leave. I don't know what this. He's asked me to come down to the clubhouse. I go down to his locker. He's sitting in his locker says, you know, I'm getting divorced. No. I want you to write about it. I want you and Ian Brown to write about this divorce. I'm like, well, Ian's coaching his son's Little League game. How do you write about a divorce? Like, just say you heard it. I'm like, I can't say I heard it. Right, right, exactly. I'm like chasing divorce stories. But, and he talked about, and then the reason why he wanted to do it was because he felt like he wanted word out in case his wife was out there he was worried. He was genuinely worried about his wife, and and see that was, and she was worried about him. And, and so I, I love reconciliation stories. I love marriage. Yeah. Okay, so I'm all I'm all about it. But you know, during the process, he said she, he was amazed because the, the, her lawyer was saying, "Hey, this is David Ortiz. Hey, we're not forget about this split stuff. We go. We gotta get something. We're about to cash in." And his wife said, "No." He's a good man. I know he's going to be a presence uh, in the kids' lives. I know he's going to be a good father. So, uh, you know, no, we're not going to do it that way. And that probably, in retrospect, that was probably a sign that they were going through a tough time in their marriage, but it wasn't done. There was mm-hmm. the, the, there was, the love wasn't gone from the marriage. And so um, it seems like stor- a storybook. Worst season of his career, 2012, Bobby Valentine, worst oh. manager of his career. And then... 2013, and the marriage is, is, is sinking. 2013, the team starts to come back. He says what he says uh, after shelter in place, and they win the World Series. Yeah. And, it, I mean, that, you know, that seems oh, like a script writer, I but mean, that's, that was we'll real come, life. We'll come back to his other the book with Tony Maz. When Tony Maz wrote it, people said, that makes sense. He's taken off. They won the 2004 yeah. World Series. He's had an interesting life. But Michael, I mean, you hit the sweet spot. If you're if you're going to choose between the two errors, I mean, you just said it. You just said you hit the sweet spot in terms of the dynamic of the ups and downs and everything else about this guy. Because here's the reality with David Ortiz: every single day you could go to him, and he would probably give you another thing, whether it's hitting, whether it's his personal life, whether it's somebody else, whether it's the state of the game. And it's all right here in Poppy, my story. What yeah, a, man. What a, what a sweet spot. Good job. Yeah, I appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate it. So it's a blessing. I could, talk, I I could talk an hour and a half with you, but yes, I know you've got to go do a show. But I appreciate it and congratulations on everything. And and uh, maybe we'll do a podcast on the book, a, a book tour podcast. 
like well, what a book tour is like. Yeah, I like that. That'll be fun. Yeah. And uh, we'll do a, also a podcast on the book that you're going to tell me about right now when you turn the microphones off. Okay. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Welcome to History Is Us. I'm Dr. Eddie S. Glaude Jr. Join me as we journey through history to face the ugly truths at the heart of the American story. Throughout this series, we explore who we are as a nation. Listen to History Is Us, a creation and presentation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals, and John Meachin Studio. Available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.